welcome to the FE Research Podcast with Joe and Alistair, a podcast that aims to shine a light on the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. Hi, um, welcome to the mashup of the Teach Excellence Podcast and FE Research Podcast. So, um, Steph Wilkinson, for those who don't know me, and this is Joe Fletcher Saxon. And we had a little crazy idea um, because we realised we only live like five minutes from each other um, that we would record a podcast slash vlog <laughs> whilst we went on a walk. So, um, hi Joe, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks. We've, we're not quite sure what the sound quality will be like, but... We're um, just gonna. We decided it doesn't need to be perfect, and um, we're just gonna chat all things education. And we debated a couple of topics. Um, as you know, or as you may know, Joe won an award yesterday, didn't you, Joe? I did. <laughs> Tell people what you won. Um, Edu Futurists um, Excellence in Research. Yeah, she did. <laughs> um, so congrats for Joe for that. Um, and our other close friend, Lou Mycroft, she won at the Edge of Futurists um, category for staff wellbeing for all of the work that she does alongside the stuff that we've been doing in Joy FE. Probably best to say what Joy FE is all about because um, we always get asked that question. So, which we'll then link on to um, what we'll talk about today. So, we're, we're making sure we don't walk too quick. <laughs> um, otherwise, we're going to get out of breath, and that's never going to that's never going to be great. Um, so, yeah, Joy FE very quickly um, was a movement, I suppose. It was a group of people that came together through lockdown. Um, just to talk about how lockdown might affect education and move things forward. So that's, a, that's the briefest version. Um, everyone's welcome to come and join us, obviously. Um, and there's lots of conversations that happen about all sorts of things. But um, Joe's just navigating where we're going and I'm doing my best not to uh, get run over. So... Um, linked really to um, a lot of the conversations that have happened in Joy FE, one of the things that keeps cropping up is values-driven leadership and we thought we might start there. We've not scripted anything so we thought we might start there. So um, where should we start? <laughs> Oh, you, okay, so well, tell me your uh, your values as a leader then. Well, big question to start with, but it's important. I, I was listening to something um, this morning which talks about individual values and organisational values. Mm. And I actually really like that as a place to start because I think... Colleges often have a set of values, don't they? Yeah. That, that everyone 
sort of knows if they're part of the college and they drive theoretically what happens and what we do in college um, or in education for that matter or in any business um, I would say and I've got some work to do on this actually to act to articulate but my values are around collaboration and unity that one took me a while to figure out but I realized that I'm all about bringing people together I am also about innovation and transformation so I'm constantly thinking about where the edges of the comfort zone are and thinking about how can we change what we do in education and how can we move it forwards and for me that's I think some people think that I'm just doing it for the sake of it but actually once I've explained the rationale it's about always moving things forward to make the world a better place I suppose which is very idealistic but they're the things that really motivate me. So what about okay. you? I think when uh, you asked me about this, my, oh, do you know what this is by the way? What no. What would you call this? This, um, I'd call this a, well, there's, there's a debate, isn't there? It's it's either an alleyway or a pathway or a ginnel. It's a snicket. A what? It's a snicket. Okay, we're on a snicket. <laughs> this is a snicket for those who... It's a Maybe aren't from, is it a York, is it a Yorkshire thing? Probably. Probably. Okay, what what is the the snicket? If you said the snicket, people would know you meant here. Okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So Love that. Um, I think mine are um, just when when you asked me, mm. there are two that, that came to mind. Mm. And first is honesty. Yeah. And the reason why I know that that is a real um, ethic or value values or ethics enacted aren't they mm. um, is when people are dishonest it really really gets to me and that's how I know how strong that is for me yeah I almost found it by the reverse if a student is dishonest even with themselves <laughs> you know about yeah. I couldn't get that assignment in or you know or a colleague or something yeah it really bothers me so that's how I know that that's absolutely but it can lead to trouble because sometimes you know you have to be softer how you present honesty I think <laughs> you know not be too harsh yeah uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is there is um some and some people use that as a defense don't they, they say well I'm, I'm prepared to be honest with you and they're quite brutal yes in yes, delivery yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and the rationale is that they're being honest with you and actually very recently um, I recognised that that was a way of someone who was trying to look out for me would deliver me the honest, very honest truth yeah. that was actually quite, sometimes a felt, shock. yeah, mm. sometimes felt harsh. But when you dig down, his, if it's about trying to help someone move forward rather than bring them down then I think that's, you know, it's just about how you deliver it. But okay. it's interesting, actually, like you said, which way should we go, Joe? We go that way. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, actually, that we don't really teach values, and this is what I've been 
this is what I've been thinking about this morning actually is we don't we don't necessarily teach values but it's quite a heavy well it doesn't have to be heavy but it's quite big isn't it it feels very big it's big and I think it's taken me years to actually work it out what's your other one actually um the other one right is courage okay yeah oh I like that um, and again I think I found that by default okay and I think um, because it was we were talking yeah values in terms of leadership weren't yeah we? I think and it's not to say that not everybody has courage everybody does but um, I think when you want to stick your head, head above the parapet mm. in a leadership role it really takes well, quite a lot of courage really um, because you get backlash you get really awful conversations to handle and I, I, I you know how some people will say okay well um, you can be an effective teacher or you might struggle Ooh. and therefore that it's not for you. Ooh. I think everybody thinks they can do leadership controversially. I'm not sure that is the case. And it's not about people's abilities at all. I think everybody Ooh. give it a good go, it's fine. It, I think, or my belief in the last few years is Ooh. not everybody is at the right time or place to be really ballsy. <laughs> and um, hold on to that bit of courage, I think. And yeah, it's interesting actually you say that because there are a lot of things to navigate in leadership that take real courage. And actually living to your values takes real courage because if your values are not, or are compromised or you, your values yeah. are, there's some sort of rub with your values, it can be courageous to be able to talk about that. But I think that's a real interesting bit of leadership is having the courage to have the conversations that maybe that are maybe hard but need to happen. Yeah. Um, and for me it's always about if I'm doing anything courageous, it's it's about the greater good and it's about doing the right thing. Um, for the staff or for the students or for the college as a whole um, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot more courageous leadership visible on Twitter say um, I, I think compared to a while ago but I think I think there's also Twitter is very complex yeah I think Twitter's a bubble yes I agree um, and um, I know many brilliant teachers, educators, support workers, leaders mm. that do, don't go near Twitter. And mm. I think that is dangerous um, about social media groups. I've started using LinkedIn more lately mm. as well. Different group of people there. Yeah. Um, but I think you can be drawn into believing that bubble is the, is the Israel. sum total yeah. of reality. Yeah. I, I'm the same. Twitter and LinkedIn are very different groups of people which I quite like actually yeah um but it is about it, it yeah it's not some some total of reality um but yeah I think this this conversation about values is is an interesting one because the way that someone pitched it this morning on I was listening to an audiobook um was just start by asking the question, what matters to you? Yes. And yeah. 
I think we could ask our students that as yeah, well, we and I think we do ask our students that at times, but maybe we project what matters to us mm. quite a lot on our students. I know I probably did, looking back at times, you know, when it comes to, you know, originally I was teaching equine science and equine nutrition and physiology and I have quite strong beliefs about certain things so I probably projected that quite a lot but always for the greater good of welfare and things like that, you know, but um, so yeah, I think, you know, starting in that place of what matters mm. and I think if you, I was just thinking, if you ask my um, 12 year old yeah. what matters, I think he'd talk about gaming. <laughs> yeah. But if you if you strip back what's underneath that, that's about um, connection, social interaction, valuing friendships, having fun. It's about more than it seems, isn't it? Yeah. So it may be that if, particularly having that conversation with your people, you won't hear the things that you label values necessarily straight up well that's the work to do isn't it yeah. it's it's finding the way and I was thinking about it's some it, like I say it's very current for me and I'm, I'm going to work on this a little bit this week is how do we help people to dig underneath the, the, the initial answers to that question to start to dig into what we would maybe categorize as as values because the the little bit of reading and research that I've done is that if we can align if we know what our values are then the choices that we make are sometimes much easier and we can be much more calm and peaceful in our decisions they won't always align will they? they won't always align no I think um so, uh, okay, so my drive for honesty, mm. <laughs> I will find that, like I said, difficult at times. So yeah. it just will not align. There may be times where I can't have a conversation with somebody yet because all the things have to be in place. Or, mm. um, so actually, one of the ways to identify it might also be what, how you feel when things are misaligned. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I like that, what, what you said about... Um, you realised, you probably realised honesty was more important, was really important to you when it was the, when the opposite happened. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a way of, because sometimes people might not know where to start in terms of what, what matters to me. Mm. Um, I think you do get, you get there a bit more easier through different experiences. Um, but there are probably times where if you think about what, what really doesn't align with you or what are the things that drive you mad or make you angry or make you feel you may reach them (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. and I think that is a that is a way to start to think about what is it that really irritates you and then what's the opposite of that and I think what's interesting is in terms of what I listened to this morning was that they said subconsciously whether we know what our values are or not they will have driven a lot yeah, of our actions exactly. today that's the point is it so it's the ethics the fact is the values enacted and that's where you see yeah. it in the behaviors and the emotions 
um, yeah, there'll be evident there. Oh, we're just we're, pausing for a car. We're just <laughs> navigating a, um, a reversing, reversing car. car who may have gone the wrong way. I think there's a train there as well. Oh yeah, we'll show you the Shepley train station. So, shall I tell you what I've been reading? Yes, please. Well, I'm just gonna just get a little view of the train station. It's a beautiful part of York. Yeah. Um, this one isn't called a snicket. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a snicket. This is a a lane. I love the lane. Yeah. Um. So, because the research podcast, so yes. I was looking at. Um, whole business of walking, okay. interviewing and talking. Cool. Um, and uh, I think sometimes in the research world they're called go-alongs. You go along with a person you're, you know, asking questions of or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at what the benefits might be of having a conversation like this mm -hmm. um, as opposed to in a classroom. Mm -hmm. Talk to students or staff. And uh, it says, you know, Doing something like this, it transcends literally the boundaries of that space, and that that kind of frees up your mind to think in a different way. I like that. I did think. I thought, gosh, what? Well, it made me think about. You know, we we um, we ask our students to surveys and things. Yeah. But what different information would we get if we, um, you know, walked and had a conversation? I wonder. And that's why we did this. It came up in an ideas room, didn't it? Yeah. About a walking and talking, well, a conversation that wasn't sat down in a room. Or in a Zoom room. Or in a Zoom room, actually, yeah. And there's lots of thinking going on about that as well at the minute. Um, but yeah. we, and we just thought, well, we'll have a go. We'll have yeah, a go, so and here we are. What do you think the difference is? I think that. Well, I know personally, I'm a bit of an outdoorsy person, so I do think there's a. There isn't as much of a restriction. Thank you. On, for me, I feel much freer outside and I would say that probably is reflected in my thinking although obviously I've never compared the two um, because I quite like to think so but I think the other bit is that there's, there's no intensity at the minute I haven't really looked at you very much and I suppose that's So some of the literature talks about as a parent of a 12-year preteen. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably one of the most confrontational things I could do with my son is be eye to eye with him. Okay. So where he's more likely to talk is in the car when we're not eye to eye. Yeah. So I think not dissimilar. Walk. I mean, can you imagine? It? I was thinking. Um, was I reading? It's about lived, what you can pick up from doing something like this is lived experience. Mm. And um, people like Kay, Cybos, use the term embodied, don't they? Embodied. Mm. So you, if you were walking with a student, you would 
I think, get a feel for their lived experience in that space. I don't mean follow them around like those observations we used to do. Yeah. I don't mean that. But if you, you, you worked at a really big college, haven't you? And yeah. ours is very small. But even in the small college that I'm in, there are mm. some spaces I never go to. Never. Yeah. So how could I say as a leader, I know the lived experience of students using that social space? Mm. And, and we make judgments about how the money's spent on that social space. Mm. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that because we do need to just and and that lockdown has prompted education generally to try and think about things differently. Um, and there are some people really hoping for change and really and there are some people really um, worried that their school or their college will just go back to how it was. And there is a lot of educators who are, who have been, worked really hard, um, and they do so in 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 the um, what's the word in 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 the vein of making a difference. But I think where we've seen in lockdown that that it's instigated a conversation. That is how can we do the, these things better for greater good of students or greater good of, of teaching staff um, but yeah I like that rethinking how we make decisions and thinking about how do we think differently or how can we create the conditions to think differently so that we can be even better at what we did or what we do and this is interesting just walking and just exploring concepts I like it so I suppose value if we go back to values yeah okay well, um, the, I'll tell you the third thing I was going to talk about yes. which I think relates to um, what you've been part of creating in lockdown mm -hmm. um, obviously the joy, joyful militancy <laughs> that's what I wanted to talk about joyful militancy okay. I think that would be my third Thing. And what does that mean exactly, mm. Joe? Well, I think we don't. You don't always have to accept the status quo. And oh. I've had lots of conversations with people um, during lockdown mm. who seem to believe they have to. It's interesting you should mention this because um, it actually on a Saturdays, um, occasionally. Well, not occasionally, but whoever wants to have a brew from the Dry FE group, we have a brew. This came up this morning. Oh, right, okay. So, um, the the concept of just accepting what is. Yeah. So, what what what's your what's been your thinking on that recently? I think it's a bit back to that courage, really, or or people realising they can. You know, I think. Um, so some of the conversations. Sometimes it's about knowledge, not knowing how yeah. to. Um, but sometimes it's about bravery and courage and some or some you know I don't know somehow you're realizing yourself um, you can ask questions you can make suggestions you don't don't wait don't wait for lots of women who wait for an answer wait for an opportunity mm. um, it tends to be women don't know why mm. this might be who I speak to 
I agree. Just thinking about where we're going to go, yeah, because if we go on the main road, it might get um, too noisy. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought I've got a brought something to read. Okay. <laughs> right, windy. It's a bit windy, but so we'll, right. we'll have a pause right, thank you. and read it. So there's a there's a book called Joyful Militancy, and it's by Nick Montgomery and Carla Bergman. Okay. And in the beginning of the book, there's a quote, and I, I love this quote, and I use it a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of resonates with, well, with lockdown. <laughs> to everyone in cramped spaces and stifling atmospheres, letting in fresh air and finding the wiggle room, embracing messiness and mistakes together, learning to move with fierce love and uncertainty, making us capable of something new. If I can't speak because that's just blown my socks off a bit, Joe, if I'm honest. And I don't want to cry on, on camera. Um don't you think that's what's been happening? I think absolutely love that because there's a couple of things that are standing out in my head one is the wiggle room which i love i love and that's what i mean about finding the space finding the opportunity um organizations thrive on the people it's not the building yeah it's not actually the policies really it's the uh, it's the people and uh yeah i think that's what we all need to be doing in uh, post 16 it's finding the wiggle room yeah it's it's the it is the people and and this seems to be a bit of a theme that's cropping up in lots of different conversations and spaces at the minute which is it has to, it has to be people centered like when i say it i just mean anything almost has to be people centered so whatever we're doing in the world has to be people centered because that's all there is yeah. really yes yeah um and i love that letting in the fresh air and finding the wiggle room is what has been happening and people have been trying to do and it was such a welcomed letting in of the fresh air because i think education was really struggling and and you know effie has struggled cycling atmosphere yes yeah and it was almost like, well, it has been, it's unbearable, the, you know, teacher retention issues and all of that sort of thing and the difficulties to recruit. And, you know, that's where it's, it's been really tough. And I'm not saying that it's never going to not be a challenge because, you know, educating and contributing to educating people is a really important job of really big responsibility but at the same time we have to try and find the wiggle room for change and and there's lots of different reasons to do that isn't there mm -hmm. um but what i also like about what you've just read is the and i forget the quote exactly but 
is being that in the mess together. Yeah, yeah, in the mess together. That's what, yeah, exactly. yeah. There's another thing. I think uh, uh, you need to accept a certain amount of messiness. We talk about messy research, but it's the same in um, working in education. <laughs> there is an element of you never know about you know the dynamics between people, mm. and there is messiness. I think we have to. And I think there's a few things popping in my head actually and one is a while ago people would say I was a bit of a perfectionist um, but for one reason or another I've got to this place where I trust especially the podcast I trust what will come out yeah and I trust so I don't and I accept the messiness yeah so I, I don't don't sort of overthink it and I do think about it beforehand and I, I think whatever I choose to talk about or want to talk to people about is things that I'm really passionate about or that interest me but I'm okay if the conversation just goes off yeah. and round and takes ah, right, okay. a so, form of its own. So in research world. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I put on Twitter is that you and I were going on a derive. Oh yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> so derive, it comes from psychogeography. Okay. So um, I think it was somebody called Debord wrote about this. But that would be, if we were doing a derive, mm. we would wander without aim or purpose and engage with our environment and see where our thinking went. Ooh. Sort of doing that. Um, I like it and I think potentially I would argue at the minute just changing a um, little um, position where I've got achy arm um, is that potentially I would argue that I don't know if I'd say best thinking mm-hmm. but definitely different thinking different thinking not not confined the opposite of not confined free thinking um, may happen in a space where you wander and yeah. chat yeah. I, 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 I've made a note actually to ask you about where you think you do your best thinking ah. um, I'm not sure exactly thinking but I'll tell you where lots of my ideas come to me in the shower there's a, there's a theory though for that is there? yes um, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it's to do with when you feel relaxed and your mind calms from the to-do list and the physical going about of what you need to actually achieve, what yeah. you think you need to achieve. And when you're in a space where that to-do list kind of falls away, it gives room for your... Right, so I think that's a bit like the walking. Yeah. Very similar thing. Yes. Um, I had um, a meeting, mm-hmm. obviously an audio one, in lockdown, uh, with somebody. And um, rather than Zoom, she said, will you call me? Mm-hmm. So I called her. It's Mel from Fircroft. Mm-hmm. She might watch this. And uh, she was panting, so I knew she wasn't in her, <laughs> at her desk. She was walking. And she said she started doing that. 
so doing meetings while she's walking yeah that's another thing now it was a bit unusual for me because i was sat at my desk so i found it quite distracting hearing yeah about that she was walking and then other people walked past her and they became part of the conversation like oh hi how are you did the <laughs> i was like oh that wouldn't normally happen would it no <laughs> um but you know that, that i guess they ask her exactly why, but it might be partly exercise and things, but um, walking meetings. Okay. Yeah. I, th <laughs> I think there's something to, to think about because I think in lockdown, one of the toughest things have, has been a lot of meetings that are on a screen and potentially a lot of hours sat on a chair of some sort. Yeah. yeah. Um, talking to other people but there's something about yeah walking and talking and especially if you've got one-to-one -one type meeting there's yeah. nothing stopping you from it being no um no we always feel we need to um write something down <laughs> <laughs> let yeah. me minute it yeah um really no you could jot down later your key action points couldn't you yeah yeah, I think there's, I think the, coming back to the values-driven leadership, and we'll probably end up doing a couple of these to talk about different, different things, but I think if you unpick all motivations, the probably, you know, now when it comes to this space of rethinking education, We've got to actually values and motiv motifs become really important, don't they? And I think we have to. Well, it's my my opinion that connection and people need to become, you know, a real part of that rationale and 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 the values of any organisation really, um, because what we can't do. We can't just talk about improving education for a certain group of people. It has to be about improving education for everybody. Um, and it just reminded me actually of, I think it's Johnny Utley, who's just, he's part of the Collective Head Advisory Board. Yeah, yeah. He's just written a book, or he's been part of writing a book that is, um, called putting staff first yeah. instead of putting students first yeah. and I think there's something in there about yeah. the things that can have the most impact on student success is the staff yeah Absolutely. so let's let's summarize okay. some of our thinking actually <laughs> we've gone all over the place a little bit but for me I think the next bit of what I'm going to go away and do is work out how I can help people to look at their values and recognise their values, but then also link that to organisational values um, and how types of processes that might be mapped into professional thinking and possibly even a research approach to 
professional development. I think that's something that I'm going to weigh and have, have a little look at. Um, well, I think for me, uh, keep finding the wiggle room. Yes. Um, but I do, uh, as you know, I mean, I'm trying to build up opportunities for staff to be engaged in action research work. Yeah. So there's still lots to do there because then a few people, you know, each year have said they're up for it and, mm. and you wonder what's going on there. People worry about time and, you know, and all that kind mm. of thing. So that, that's my job of work, mm. um, is ownership of professional development. Uh, you know who owns it and it should be us yeah and I, I think that might be something that I'd be really interested in talking to you about next time is is that ownership and of professional development and potential resistance to to that I say it's new isn't it it's about yeah. change um, I know um, about two years ago mm -hmm. when we asked um, colleagues you know the kind of things they might be interested in we certainly had one response that said well that's, it's your job you tell us what's enough and so but that, that's yeah perhaps an understandable response when you've had a defined menu yeah. each year We'll, um, we'll bring this episode to a close. We potentially might do a series, um, visit different places in Yorkshire, yeah. <laughs> um, and just talk about the things that are cropping up and seem to be happening or being discussed. I've got another thing to read. Oh yes, let's end with a reading. <laughs> let's do this. So this one's for you. Okay. Okay. Uh, right. I had to write it down because I can't remember. Okay. This is Cahil Kilbrand. Gilbrand. Cahil Gilbrand. Love it. him. Yeah. yeah. Your joy is your sorrow unmasked. Some of you say joy is greater than sorrow and others say sorrow is the greater. But I say unto you they are inseparable. Um, together they come and when one sits alone with you at the board or at your board remember that the other is asleep upon your bed Love that. <laughs> thank you so much joe um and we'll leave you with that one i love to think about those types of things and what it really means um or what it means to us in this moment and this time so um from the teaching excellence podcast and the FE Research Podcast. We will um, hopefully see you again soon. Bye, everyone. <laughs>